Becoming of Age, the podcast. A cautionary tale. Listen to what they say, then do the opposite. Your hosts, Colin Flynn and John M. Craig. Hey, uh, Cameron. Yeah. It's your dad. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Dad? I'm okay. Do you know? Do you know that I have a podcast? No. Come on, for real. Yes, I'm aware that you have a podcast. Do you know the name of my podcast? No idea. You really don't? No. Why would I know the name of your podcast? I don't know because I'm your dad and I tell you shit. Hey, um, you don't talk to me on your podcast. Well, I am talking to you on the podcast now. You're on the podcast. It's called Unbecoming of Age. Yes. You know, you know how many episodes Unbecoming we've done. Unbecoming of Age. What? Take a guess. How many uh, episodes we've done? Um, forget it. Thirty-six. <laughs> All right, we've done. This is episode sixteen. So I'm starting off with episode sixteen, and you're on Unbecoming of Age with me, John M. Craig, your dad, okay. and Mr. Colin Flynn. Yep. You, did you do know? Did you know his name? Yes, I did know his name. All right. Anchor. So from Anchor. Okay. Well, you can say hello to Colin. He's on the. He's here. It's his show too. Hello, Colin. How you doing, Cameron? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Sound like you might have a little cold. Uh, yeah. No, I'm definitely sick with something. Yeah. How'd the band thing go? Uh, it went well. You know. Very <laughs> band. Very band, band, bandy, band-like. Yeah. yeah, it was the uh, the high school marching band end of season dinner gala blowout. <laughs> yeah, I- extravaganza. Did you have like Skrillex? <laughs> yeah, they had the opposite of Skrillex. Like Skrillex. Yeah. <laughs> he he had a full head of hair, but it was all like buzzed instead of half full and half shaven. Wow. New he look for, new look for Skrillex. All right. He, he was he was a seventeen year old high school senior. Um, with a lot of acne. With a lot of acne. No, no, no. He be very very uh, old school. He's uh, he made his own rig, not his laptops, but uh, he 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 made his own speakers. He really? built built out the boxes and the whole thing. Yeah, he's like a time traveler. This kid. Far out. Yeah. yeah he played a lot of stuff from the seventies. I don't think he plays modern stuff, but he's not really into it. I, I don't think he is. An interesting well, kid. Are we, are we talking about Cameron or Skrillex now? <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, Skrillex Junior. His name was Tristan Brilliant. Skrillex McMahon or something. I don't know what his real name is, but uh, he was a nice kid. Um, so Cameron, uh, did you? I, I was going to ask yeah. you questions if you had seen the Lego Batman movie, but uh, I know the answer. I have not. Seen yeah, the Lego I have. Movie. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, I was going to talk to Cameron yeah, about Lego, me. yeah, and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. So, um, do you have any questions for for me for Colin, like the podcast? Do you have any interest? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> this is going swimmingly. Uh, I thought I thought in the car when I was just talking to you, I was kind of workshopping it, like things we might talk about. Uh, workshopping, but I said I said I worked better with the script, so. Right, but I didn't. I don't really have time. But don't you think that you and I working out, uh, like, like improving and doing a thing? Like he talked to me in the car, like he was literally on the podcast. He and he and he started talking about like all these Lego Batman games that he had on different game systems. And I said, Cameron, we're not actually recording right now. (laughs) So it was like, I'm like, no, no. When we get home, we'll be. I'm just like, this is just an idea. Like you don't have to say the exact. I was confused because I was. 
getting ready for that to talk about all three Lego Batman games and like the the, the improvement of quality and the voice acting, the introduction of voice acting. But then you just said I was going to talk about Lego, but I'm not feeling it. So do you have any questions? And it just kind of threw me off. I was like, what? This is you rehearsed. <laughs> but okay, but I wanted you had questions like you asked me because uh, do you know how Colin Flynn and I met? No idea. We haven't met. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know that we met. I met him on Anchor. Well, I don't know the exact context. Okay, all right, but you know that we've never met in real life. You haven't? No, no. I, I live in Iowa, Cameron. We're out in the middle of nowhere. In the <laughs> Iowa. Mid, in, in, yes, in the m- middle of the United States. What do you know about Iowa? Can you tell me anything? That you? T- what's the capital of Iowa, as an example? Iowa is the cap. I don't know. Iowa so, City, maybe. It's a, good, it's a good guess. <laughs> I'm going to go with Des Moines. Yeah. Is it Des Moines? Uh, wait. I'm confused. How can you guys be best friends if you've never met in real life? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, that's what Cameron kept saying. He's like, he, before we, we came in the house, he's like, he like you, is I, Colin I said, Flynn are, your are best? You Colin besties. <laughs> your bestie. See your bae. We're, we're we're too we're we're too old to be besties. Ow, ow. Uh, yeah. It's more like drinking buddies. <laughs> like we don't drink in like, but we'll drink on the podcast together. We'll have like a beer or something, you know. Occasionally, yeah, Occasionally. That, that has happened. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else, Cameron? Any questions? Because I'm kind of done with you. Uh, party yeah. thoughts. What no? What what kind of crowd do you attract with your podcast? You know that's a good question, Cameron. We we are international. <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, oddly enough, uh, I've looked at the uh, the downloads, and, and we've got uh, Great Britain in the house. We've got Ireland. We've got uh, uh, some guys from uh, oddly enough Singapore. We've got uh, Australia. I'm trying to think of all the various countries. So I don't know. I think uh, it's it's a small army, but um, we haven't we haven't figured out the demographics yet exactly. There's a there's a through Do you have any th- there's a through line there, but I don't know what it is. Uh Do you have any fellow Iowanians in that listen? Uh, you know, I my <laughs> wife uh, has had some friends listen because I got busted on a few things that I said that uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have. So yeah, there are some uh, Iowanians, however you said it. Um, I think we yeah Iowanians. <laughs> yeah, Iowanians. That's that's good. I haven't heard that one, but yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a good description. Um, Iowegians, I've heard that one before. Uh, but yeah, so um, there are a few uh, for sure. I heard another podcast uh, from uh, from my hometown that I wasn't aware that it even existed until this week, and, and I happened to stumble on it on uh, Twitter somehow, and uh, it's it's awful. So I think right now, uh, I think I, I, we've got the bed po- best podcast coming up. Yeah, do you have the best podcast in Iowa status? I, well, not the most listened to because there's some sports Sports one, some of the the uh, the uh, sports guys that are you know like doing Iowa Hawkeyes stuff and all that kind of junk. They they've got big following, so we don't have the biggest numbers, but I think our content is king. I think we're fucking yeah. Well, well, Colin, yeah. I I think that gets offset though because um, I live in Red Bank, New Jersey, and uh, Kevin Smith. You got Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith yeah. has his comic book shop yeah. right here in Red Bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he. Um, he does his smodcast out of the shop every now and again, so I guarantee that uh, no question he has more listeners, yes. more fans, yes. and his he's a pretty good talker. That he's, dude, he's better funny. talker than he is a he's filmmaker. Funny. Yeah. yeah, he's a funny guy. If you've never heard his Prince story, you got to listen to that at least once. Prince? Yeah, Prince. Have you heard Cameron? Have you heard that? No. 
Kevin should, Smith's Prince story. Yes, Google. Uh, there's. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube, but Kevin Smith has. And uh, it's about a half hour story, but it's it's well worth listening to. Um, Kevin Smith huh. tells tells his story about his his uh, brief. Uh, he got hired by Prince to do a uh, documentary of Prince's life. Well, wow! Yeah. Wow! Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's a good story. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, Cameron. Did you the documentary. Uh, he did parts of the documentary, but um, like most things Prince is involved with, uh, the world will probably never see or hear of it again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. He worked for him for a while. He's got some strange stories about Prince. So, huh. funny stuff. He's, he's a good storyteller. And yeah, you know, he's talking comic books. My dogs may at any time here start to bark like mad, too, because I think we've got somebody still stopping over. But Yeah, I heard a couple of things going on. I heard, yeah, I heard like some chime. Cameron, was that yeah. on your side or was that you? Uh, that was Cameron. Yeah. Cameron was on my side. I dropped the, the portable chargers. He's got alerts. Uh, okay, yeah, there was oh, an okay. alert that went off. Is it maybe one of your uh, type oh, of... Oh, my alert. Yeah, the diabetes thing. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Cameron's a type 1 diabetic, oh. which used to be known as juvenile diabetes. Okay. So you got yeah, anyway. Someday we'll do All a right. fundraiser. Well, Cameron, uh, yeah, we're going to do a GoFundMe account, Cameron. If yeah. we raise some money can for we, it, how we, you... Can, can, you, can we like, can I ask you to sell us like I'm about to sneeze? Okay. No, no, I'm I'm kind of trying to get rid of you, but I wanted to do it seamlessly. But Cameron, hang up the fucking phone, please. And can you bring it back to me? <laughs> Just get, go, okay, like bye. whatever. You don't want to be here, so we'll try again some other time. No, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm, not. I'll you, I'll talk to your sister the, next time. You said don't sneeze into the phone. Yeah, the okay. Well, just podcast. don't talk anymore. It. You're getting close to the room. We're in the stuff. same apartment. Come, just hang up the phone and <laughs> right, come bye. here. I'm okay. Hang up. Bye. Thank you. Great talking right, to you, thanks, Cameron. Thanks, Cameron. I appreciate okay. it. Bye. <laughs> anyway, Cameron, I, I, I don't know. I'm talking. To. Okay, uh, get, just get out of here. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks. I appreciate the case. All right. So sorry I, that didn't go as smooth, as swimmingly as I had hoped it would go. I mean, I, you know, it was okay. Eh, it was fine. I I wanted to try something different, something new. <laughs> so. <laughs> How's it? How you doing, Cal? I'm doing good. Yeah, that was a that was a different way uh, to get into the show, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know, I, I was um, I was in a weird weird space because uh, you know with episode 15 we had um, we had Colin Flynn, we had uh, who do we have on Ian Ian, Ian, Ian Norris. Norris. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Yeah, I appreciated having. Did you hear? Have you talked to him since? Uh, we, been in touch? It, we exchanged a, a little bit of uh, back and forth. Uh, he texted me a little bit tonight, uh, but um, we haven't really I, we haven't spoken. I wondered yet. if he had listened or I didn't see anything on social media and I didn't reach out to him. I think he must have told somebody that he knows about it somehow because we had a big spike of listenership. Uh, oh, we did? Yesterday that uh, seemed, uh, seemed related out of the blue. to him. Yeah, because he's right. got, you know, I think, a pretty big uh, bunch of people with his his social media stuff so sure sure i was yeah. uh, i was just wondering how he you know i'd love to hear his feedback how he thought it went for him i, I listened i spot checked and listened to a lot more than i normally listen to we had the weird echo thing and um i apologize for that but uh the uh i'd like to get him on again at some point um, yeah yeah, yeah be great because you and i both were like oh, we should have asked him this we should have asked him that but uh yeah, it's it's always uh, that hindsight thing after you get done talking to somebody. It's like, oh, I wish I would have said that or I would have asked that question. Which is, I was reading this thing today about uh, 
it was about blogs and they were talking about you got to find your voice you got to figure out ahead of time what, what your voice is going to be and and uh i i, I thought about that i thought well, all right the first because uh, i'm skeptical and, and i'm kind of a kind of an asshole I, a lot of times when i read stuff like ah bullshit you know whatever find your voice what kind of you know woo woo crap is that well uh, i mean what like were they saying like find your literal or your figured your figurative voice i think what they were trying to infer was you should uh, if whatever you're you know you're doing a blog or you're doing a podcast there's there's uh, obviously when people ask you what's your podcast about you know we always you know, at least i do you know, i say it's about nothing it's about you know we you know, whatever it's you know right. we're just we're just talking which is really what happens but what they, i think they were trying to infer was you should keep in mind that every time you're doing the show or you're doing you're talking about um uh the show itself describing it you should have in your mind's eye kind of uh, a little bit of an idea of what it is in uh, a couple sentences overall that you're trying to do whether it's uh, you know you're trying to you know and we've joked about yeah uh, uh you know things that we wouldn't talk about. You and you and I both have had uh, in the last couple of years have had a couple of health issues, and we thought, well, we don't want to turn it into being a health show. We don't want to be talking about you know uh, things that are wrong with us a lot. But um, somebody might want to do that as as you know as uh, you know what they're talking about. I, you and I talked about a. I listened to a podcast. Uh, I've heard a, a guy that I bumped into an anchor a long time ago, the Anchor app, uh, and the podcast is called In the Weeds with Ben Randall. It's a show about and i told you this when i recommended you go listen to an episode it's kind of like he's a restaurant guy he's a chef and they talk about restaurants and food but not always you know so they they bounce around the the restaurant and food thing with discussions about other things in life that that go through there and so i don't know there's i guess the common thread the through line i used that phrase earlier we're talking to cameron what is that what do you what do you want to not portray but what what do you want to what do you want people to know about you i guess is probably well i so i have no issue with any idea or story about uh, you know finding your voice I, i very much understand that from when I first started doing stand-up comedy, and I, I understood what that meant very quickly. And I think that it, it's true of a podcast, too, of a social media, like, find your quote-unquote voice. Like, what's your perspective? What's your point of view? And I don't necessarily think we need to have a byline line exactly, but we do. You know, two guys, one guy from Iowa, one guy from the New York City area, New Jersey, who've never met in real life, you know, and that sort yeah. of thing. I uh-huh. mean, even the title of the, the podcast, Unbecoming of Age, you know, it's like two guys that are not young, you know. Right, right. It's like we're on the other side of life. We have lived a life, you know, regardless of what we've experienced with, you know, with living comes knowledge. And and I I know what my voice is, you know. I'm very contradictory, you know. It's like I'm incredibly delusional and completely self-aware or completely self-aware, <laughs> you know. It, it's like I I so don't give a fuck. But I, I really get. I really do fucking care. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, like it's like. Yeah. But I kind of do. Like it's like this finding this balance, and that's kind of part of who I am. And the more I do things, and the more I live, and I experience things, it's like, oh, I'm going through all of this stress and this pressure because this is who I am, right? This is how I navigate through the world, and that's part of my voice. You know, I, I'm a nice guy, but I'm also a fucking asshole. You know what I <laughs> right. mean? Like, but again, it's. It's, and, and with with this, I, I think we both know what our voice is, and then we're sort of together trying to find what the podcast voice is and let it flow. 
Yeah, when I was I came up with the unbecoming of age, uh, you know, title for the show, I was thinking it's it's that it's that yin and yang of life, the uh, you know, the, the coming of age story that people talk about. Well, yeah, it, that you know, uh, sooner or later in everybody's life, there's a coming of age event that happens, um, and the unbecoming of age. I just wanted to show that they, they're the the opposites of what goes on. I think I know everything, and then sometimes I look in the mirror and go. Boy, you don't know shit. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. the stupidest person in the world, you know. And uh, so, yeah. And then it, sometimes I feel like I'm, uh, you know, all knowing. <laughs> well, and I and I think that's part of it. I, I think there's the, um, you know, kind of being aware of your own bullshit, right? Being able to call yourself, like acknowledging that you, you, yeah, this is what I think. This is what I believe. Yeah, you've done it before too. And I don't even think on the podcast. I think when you and I have just been talking or when I've heard you recording stuff on other things, when you were talking about, I think, some beers or craft beers. Okay. And then calling yourself out for being a douchebag for liking said craft beer. <laughs> like well, I, I, yeah, I can't I, remember exactly what it was, but it was like, yeah, that domestic beer, that shit, that's a piece of it. And then I like this and whatever. And then you're calling yourself out for being that guy. Or it was some like weird fucking artisan pickle or something. I, I, I did it. Remember. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did a Twitter post kind of like that today. Where you know, I mean, I've heard this come up a lot. Where people are describing either whiskey uh, or uh, beer, and they use the uh, in the description they say uh, oak. It's got oak over, and I'm like, oak, really? <laughs> Have you tasted oak? Where, where did you taste oak? Was it bark, or you know, is right. it, you know, wh- where in your life did you ever, uh, you know, in in any form taste oak? Is, but it's uh, that's tossed around, and and that's we people sound like such an asshat, and I've and I've been that person, uh, obviously, uh, from time to time, and uh, so yeah, you just gotta you gotta realize that uh, a lot of times. Uh, all of us are full of shit, or at least that's the way I, that's the way I look at it. You know, and then um, the other thing that pops into, into my mind is being, like you said, uh, not being the, the youngest person in the room. Uh, there are, well, it's like the Hemingway quote: "You can't really light up, you you can't write about life until you've lived life. You, there, unless you you know really have a story, you're not going to ever have a story to tell unless you've lived, you know, long enough to have." Uh, things happen or, or you know go out and, and seek those stories out so um, I feel like some of that stuff in my life obviously has, has happened and um, for somebody uh, perhaps to have interest in that I, I, that would that's that would be a great uh, a great uh, I guess honor or <laughs> uh, I don't know you get humbled by that when you tell a story sometimes and somebody like oh wow that's great you know you can see the look in their eyes like you know um, I don't know there's not a lot of people these days. We, we talked about hitchhiking once. Nobody hitchhikes anymore. <laughs> I can tell you. Oh, things. God, no. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, if I remember, I'd love to talk about hitchhiking. Um, I found a bunch of letters from my uh, maternal grandfather. Oh, really? So wow. he, when he was While he was hitchhiking. Oh, really? And, yeah, yeah, my mom came across them. So um, it's been about a year, year and a half ago. And so my grandfather was born in 1904. Okay, Second wow. generation American. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so his grandparents were born in Russia. And, oh no, actually I think his parents may have been born in Russia too. So maybe he was first generation American. Came to, he lived in the Bronx, born in 1904. Uh, and uh, when he was about 19 or 20, he was hitchhiking. And he wrote these letters to his um, mom and dad. And my, one of my favorites, two of them, was it was very discon, uh, cons- disconcerting. 
um, and he was talking about getting the best haircut and shave. Yeah. From a nigger barber. Oh, God. Now, this was written in like 1923, 1924. Historically, yeah. That's, and yeah, that's and I remembered that my grandfather used to, I think he referred to blacks as colored. Right. Okay. And I remember I was sitting in the living room. I think my mom and dad were in the living room. And I'm reading it. And I was thinking about my grandfather, who was uh, Jewish, but not very religious, possibly had family members that were, um, you know, executed in the, in, in uh, World War II. Um, in the camps. Yeah. In the concentration camps. But I think uh, his family, most of his family lived in America, but I don't really know. But I think extended family, yes. And I remember my grandfather Graham had a very dry sense of humor, and uh, he used to do a Hitler impression, kind of mocking Hitler with like a black comb. And and I, it's, I just these are vague memories because right. I, I was probably about sixteen when he passed away when he was around eighty four. And I remember reading it, and I was like reading it in my head, and I was just like, whoa! And then all of a sudden, it took me a moment. I told my family about it, and and it was like it was all about context then. Everything shifted and changed. There was nothing derogatory about what he wrote. There was nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was nothing, that's just yeah. what it was, you know? That's just, and... Uh, yeah, uh, the uh, historical, uh, I mean, it, it was, rel in the time, even though it sounds horrible now, it was it was the way of the world. It was it was just an adjective. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, And again, I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just saying, no, like, well, no. that's what it was, right? So, so you know, I've talked about me not being very politically correct, you know, and, and I, I never really use the word. And I use the word because N-word barber doesn't have the impact of what how it made me react in my head when I read it, you know. Uh, and I'll try to find the whole letter because there's so much more to it, right? Like, Do you remember uh, where he hitchhiked? Like uh, down south, no, front, so I okay. believe he started in New York, uh -huh. and I think he worked his way down the coast, maybe to uh, maybe the Carolinas, maybe he was in Missouri. Like I don't remember exactly. Was he, um, he was going to like looking for work or what was? He, I what was, do, I know? think he was just a little adventure. I don't know. Huh, interesting. I, I mean, there was another one where he was driving with a guy, and the guy asked him how tall he was, and, and if he played sports, and, you know, you look pretty athletic, or you're a football player, and then apparently he's describing this scene to his, <laughs> the situation to his parents, and I guess the guy lifted, it, it was like prompting him, like, uh, you know, guess how much I weigh, or how tall, right? And then the guy lifted up and took off his shirt or showed him his shirt, and I'm like, oh my God, oh boy. Wow, I see what was going on there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like you had guys that were, like, picking up hitchhikers, young boys, and troll. You know what I mean? Like, like Oh, yeah, yeah. I have I, no idea. I, I've, I seriously uh, hitchhiked a lot when I was, like, around the end of high school age, right around in there. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, and people were doing it. It was probably getting towards the end of where, uh, you know, where you would do that at all but there was there were still people that, that hitchhiked for sure and uh the idea that um you know i never really ran into any trouble per se is kind of blows my mind away because it certainly could have i, I hitchhiked to uh uh from iowa to uh to go out and see the rolling stones in uh fort collins colorado and on the way out there, and we had another uh, guy I graduated from high school with, and on the way out there, we probably got, I'm guessing, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 rides, you know, that you, you 
you know, over the whole course of the whole thing. And we had uh, one of them uh, right towards before we got out there, like the last rides we got on the way out to Colorado, we got picked up by this Mexican family. And they were, uh, there was, God, there was already uh, probably, I'm guessing they had like six people in the car when they picked us up. And it was some kind of a big old sedan. And th- th- none of them spoke English. And there was a, a woman in the back seat, and she had a little uh, little Spanish guitar. It was like a three-quarter scale guitar. She's back there, and she's singing in, you know, it's like this broken English with this uh, Mexican, you know, accent. You know, she's singing, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. <laughs> and playing the guitar you know yes and it sounds like she was saying cheeses every time she said jesus it sounded just like cheeses you know like you know she's got a big wheel of uh, you know some sort of havarti or something there yes jesus loves me and i remember sitting there thinking this is the weirdest thing and these kids are they had like three kids and the kids are looking at us like you know we're like creatures from outer space and we're sitting in the back seat and it was uh, it had been hot as hell and we got in the car and it was just it even with her doing her singing and all the shit somehow i i don't remember exactly how much sleep we'd gotten before that but i fell asleep just dead asleep in this back seat and wake up and they're completely when we they were like so lost we were off in this different town that we're not supposed to be in and they were looking at a map and trying to figure it out and uh they were holding the map out and i was looking at the signs and i'm seeing uh fort loopton we're in this town called fort loopton colorado i'm looking at that and it's like not even where we're supposed to be and then i'm pointing at the map trying to get them go in the right direction and you know doing this you know just yelling at them no no we've got to go that way that way you know and whatever and just having this crazy discussion with them finally get them back on the road and uh they they drive us into uh we ended up getting instead of fort collins we ended up in boulder which is way off off track uh, or at least you know probably i don't know they're like 40 miles <laughs> apart something right. like that so we end up in boulder and uh when we're in boulder uh they we had them dump us off uh, we ended up right by the the uh, University of Colorado in in uh, Boulder, and uh, there's an area called the Hill. And Boulder is like the it's like the fucking hippie capital of the world. And there's like supposedly more cults and <laughs> things like that anywhere. In the world. I didn't know this at all when we, it was just pretty much just going in cold trying to figure out what, you know what 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 the place was all about. And so we get dropped off on the hill, and there's all these people uh, trying to hand you pamphlets and shit and. Uh, just kind of craziness going on this woman walks up to me and she was kind of a hot hippie looking chick and she uh comes up to me and she hands me this little piece of paper and on this little tiny piece of paper she had written uh this little phrase and she says this is a this is a phrase it's a hindu phrase and if you if you meditate and you repeat this over and over whatever you want to have happen in the world will come true and she said, it's, it's written on here so you can keep it. You can put it in your pocket. And so she shows me the phrase, and then she has me repeat it with her like three or four times. And it's Nam Mioho Ringe Kyo. She's like, say it again. Nam Mioho Ringe Kyo. Say it again. Nam Mioho Ringe Kyo. So she had me repeat this until I learned it. And then she put the piece of paper in my pocket and said, I love you. And she walked away. <laughs> Did it say the? Did it have the phrase written on it, or did yeah, it yeah. have a number? Like? No, no. It said Nam Mioho Ringe Kyo. Nam Mioho. Nam Mioho Ringe Kyo. And it's and I look. I've, I've 
okay, years later, and this was pre-internet, being able to look at every anything up. I was thinking about this, and uh, I was like, okay, that's fucking weird that I can still recite this. And I thought, I wonder if that's bullshit. And I lost the piece of paper, like you know, probably the next day that was gone. But I remembered the phrase, and so I, I googled it, and uh, sure enough, Na Mioho Ringe Kyo has been around for I don't know hundreds of years. <laughs> Mm-hmm, as this chant mm-hmm. she taught it to me this is my my hitchhiking experience <laughs> we ended up at the rolling stones from got a ride from some other uh, <laughs> dudes that were uh, in uh, in boulder and got a ride up to fort collins uh, and saw the rolling stones with uh, rufus featuring shaka khan um <laughs> and uh the eagles uh and uh i'm trying huh. to think of, oh and uh, elton john was uh Trying, oh, and Billy Preston was playing keyboards for the uh, for the Stones that tour, and uh, uh, Elton John had, uh, had kind of crashed the party and was at the uh, uh, apparently sitting backstage and decided he should come out and play uh, you know play piano because he's Elton John, right. and and uh, the Stones got kind of like pissed off. They basically kind of, as I understood it later, I read that they kind of had to like boot him off stage because he was trying to. Billy Preston was the piano player, so he was trying to. Get Billy off to so that he could play, and they kicked out. <laughs> so, so I did see Elton John with the Rolling Stones, but um, anyway, it was, and then we hitchhiked back, and all, on the way back, it was it was fine too. So I don't know, it went okay. Yeah, I looked up. Uh, I looked up the Nam Miho Renge Kyo. I don't know if I'm saying it right. The essence of Buddhism is the conviction that we have within us at each moment the ability to overcome any problem or difficulty that we may, may encounter in life. Yes, she's. A capacity to transform any suffering. Yeah. There's a whole thing. I'm gonna have uh, interesting. No, me all ringe kyo. And I've never. And I, I can tell you the truth. I've never like in a. Uh, I've never in a uh, like a, a mindfulness or, or a meditative. Uh, not that I've really done a lot of meditation or, or uh, worked on that very hard. I probably should. I've never used that phrase. Hmm. Uh, or done any of that kind of thing. The closest thing I've come to, uh, probably to meditation, is within the last year or so I learned this thing about this uh, square breathing thing, this uh, four count thing. And I, I've mm-hmm. done that occasionally. I don't know if you, you know, are you familiar with that? I'm not, no. Basically, you just breathe in slowly for four counts, hold your breath for four counts, and then breathe out slowly for four counts. And you repeat that over and the, 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 and it's something that is something that uh, the, um, the seals use the navy seals use when they need to calm the fuck down in a hurry mm-hmm. when, when they're like in a situation i guess that's apparently something they drill into those guys to use this square breathing or four count breathing method thing to get yourself straight to get your mind right so i've done that but i've never sat and tried to think of the namio or recite the namio right. thing at all so yeah i've i've meditated a handful of times in my life uh one time i mean when i, I guess when so i've been i've been separated for four years and and living in this apartment in red bank for four years and when I first uh, got separated, you know, I, it was it was challenging. Not because of the separation, just because I was on my own. I was alone. I was going through a lot of stress, and I was in a relationship with my then girlfriend, and uh, there was stress related to that. On and again, on again, and off again. I spent a lot of time alone in my apartment um, with my cats and whatever. And I started to to look into meditation. I downloaded an app. I went online and looked at some stuff. And there was one time that. I got into this meditative state that was almost transformative. Like, like I couldn't feel my body. Like, it wasn't just 
tired, about to fall asleep. I was so relaxed that it was, it almost felt like an out of body experience. Wow. Like I, I, I felt weightless. Like if I could replicate that and do that every day, I would. I wish I had the uh, initiative to, to try to do it. The closest I come to that is um, I try to go uh, sit in the sauna a couple times a week, and sometimes that will uh, almost get me there. I, I get to the point where you, you get so hot at a certain point where you feel like, okay, I got to bail, and then I'll try to, like, okay, internalize, calm down, relax, realize I'm not going to die, probably, <laughs> and, <laughs> and try to you know hang on for another five or ten minutes. And that gets pretty, uh, it gets you into your head in a way that, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I was just, I, I got to that point that was pretty amazing, but I hadn't really done it much, never done it in a group. Um, you know, the closest would be some sort of, you know, relaxation and medication and med- meditation, not medication, at like a hot yoga class, which, by the way, is too fucking hot for me. Like, it's 110 degrees in there. And yeah. Like, this sucks. Like, it gets to a point where sometimes I did like an hour and 15 minute class. I mean, the first yeah. time I ever did it, I walked out at like an hour. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Tap my down. shirt is soaking wet. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't, like, I walk back in, but I'm like, holy fuck. Like, I know my body. Like, I'm like, I'm sure that I can get to a point where it's fine, but I just found it really uncomfortable and unpleasant, you know, and I'm not that great yeah. at yoga so you got to hold some of these poses where i don't know what you call it when you're sort of like bending on one leg knee and you're kind of crouching and you're like almost like in a prayer position like and then pigeon. and then you take your other leg and you sort of fold it up you know put it up onto your knee so you're almost like crouching like you're sitting in a chair with your leg crossed but you're holding this and it's like i don't i don't have great balance and now you're sweating and it's like my leg is like i'm hot i feel lightheaded and i can't and then there's a mirror and i'm looking around me i'm like i'm clearly the only person in this i'm the only man in this class you know um except when the couple of times i went when they're like these the dudes regular guys that go to those classes they uh they're usually a lot thinner than i am younger better looking and in really good shape a lot of times though there's that's that, my perception a lot of times there's that one dude uh you know the one dude <laughs> the older guy that's you know can yeah he can put his fucking you know, leg behind his head and all that shit. Right, and, right. You know, it's you know, Mr. Crunchy Granola Man that that, that just tries to show up. But yeah, I they no, I I've done one uh, hot yoga thing and it's like sweat coming out of the inside of your nose is a strange feeling. You know, it's <laughs> right. like how is this possibly happening? I like really intense heat. I do, but um, Oof, but the, don't it's, like it at all. For me, the the heart the part about the whole equation is what you said is just that I I I'm not bendy. I don't fucking. I haven't done enough yoga, and uh, you know it's just pain. And I and I get into this thing where I start to try to like you do. I start trying to look around and analyze: Is there anybody in the room right now that's fucking dying as bad as I am? Is there, there's got to be somebody. And then I, you know, once I realize maybe there isn't, then I'm pissed. <laughs> It's like I'm here. I'm angry as hell. <laughs> so yeah, I should. I mean, I I need to do it. I I would like to do it more often. It's just trying to drag drag your ass in there as the as the strain. I don't know if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, but this season there's a new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, and he goes to a hot yoga class. I haven't seen it now, and it's so good. And at the end of at the end of the class, everyone says, uh, you know, Namaste. He doesn't. And the yoga <laughs> teacher calls him out for it. And he's like, nah, I don't really do that. And then he was talking, and she really didn't like him. 
because he's Larry David. And uh, he said something about his third eye. And he said, Meh, I don't really. He's like, it's not really. And he starts poking himself in his forehead. Perking, and she's like, stop <laughs> doing that. It's not really an eye. It's just <laughs> so good. And then she kicks him out. I saw it's, a weird, I saw a weird so docu- documentary that uh, this guy uh, in Los Angeles uh, got arrested and um, uh, for first-degree murder. Uh, he uh, was... <laughs> They thought that he was uh, had done like this gangland style uh, shooting of somebody. The, the guy's brother had been um, ar- arrested for a murder, and somebody that had testified against his brother uh, had uh, gotten killed after the trial. This this person got uh, got murdered, but uh, they were sure he did it. They had a uh, composite sketch and all this shit, and they were going to send him to to uh, you know to, uh, potentially he was going to go away for life or whatever for this murder. Well, as it turns out, his alibi was that he was at a Dodgers game, and when he was at this Dodgers game, uh, he was with his daughter, who was about um, she's about three or four years old, so she wasn't a credible witness as far as vouching for him. They couldn't find the tickets that he was there, and after this uh, process had gone on for quite a while, and he was the guy was had been sitting in jail for a while. He he uh, at some point remembered, hey, they were filming something uh, at that baseball game that day. And uh, so he tells his lawyer this, you know, that uh, potentially maybe there's, I, I could be on tape somewhere. They were filming a fucking <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. And um, he ended up uh, being in the scene where he, he actually walked down the aisle right by Larry David and got filmed like from three or four different directions. <laughs> and uh, as it turns out, the Curb Your Enthusiasm thing ended up getting him off a murder charge. He wow. was able to prove that he wasn't there, and then um, even though the and the police, uh, it was one of those Dick District Attorney type things, was still sure that he was, you know, that there had been some travesty of justice, and somehow um, he was still guilty. Uh, they figured out later that some some gang guys, eventually four of them, uh, confessed to it and got caught, uh, and figured out uh, after the fact that the guy had nothing to do with it. But yeah, curb your enthusiasm thing. <laughs> <laughs> saved hmm. and Larry David's on the on this on this uh, documentary. It's on Showtime, uh, or not Showtime. It's on uh, on uh, Netflix. Anyway, Larry David's on there, and he goes, "Yeah, I use this. At, I use this at parties occasionally." Can I tell you about the time I saved a guy hmm. from death row? It's pretty funny. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you see there? And, and I and I'm, I'm gonna. If you haven't seen it, I, I don't think I would ever tell anybody to watch it, and I'm pissed off that I did watch it. There's a video that hit all over on social media today about a cop in Mesa, Arizona, that um, shot this guy uh, who uh, was unarmed, and they it went to trial. They were tr- going to charge the cop with because uh, the cop had a body cam on, and there was um, a, like a SWAT team, basically, that um, was... Uh, they went to this hotel. Somebody had said, looked at a motel. Somebody had gone by a window of a motel and had looked over and saw a guy that they thought had a gun and called uh, like 911 and a SWAT team came in. Well, the gun was a pellet gun. Um, the SWAT team ends up killing this guy who's completely unarmed. And the body cam thing, there's a long, drawn out sequence in this hallway of this motel where this dick, fucking idiot cunt ass fucking I can't give you a strong enough adjectives how fucking horrible this scene is 
this cop that's the main guy that's trying to uh, tell this guy what to do and how to how to how to surrender uh, and ends up shooting him five times with a fucking AR-15 um, how poorly handled it is and how it, clearly this should have never fucking happened I mean it's it's the worst fucking case of policing in the world uh, goes to trial they charge him with murder the fucking stupid ass jury I have no idea in Mesa Arizona um, acquitted the guy today yesterday yeah not guilty of murder I'm, uh, yeah, I'm looking fucking at the story horrible horrible <sighs> fuck this cop fuck the Mesa Police Department and fuck that jury you guys are all gonna rot in fucking hell it is it, don't watch it I mean I would unless you're really into it, it is so fucking disturbing and so sad because this guy you, there is n- <laughs> there is I wouldn't have had if I would have been in that hallway with those cops with this guy when they got him out in the hallway, which which happened immediately. The guy was totally cooperating, um, just completely cooperating. I wouldn't have had any issue whatsoever walking up to him and putting cuffs on him. N- none. There was no. There would have been no fear factor there at all. There was no indication whatsoever that this guy was going to be a problem, other than they saw somebody had said that there was a gun in the room. Um, it was fucking ridiculous. And how he got off this, I have no clue. Uh, he was fired from the, uh, the from what I read from the Mesa Police Department. But holy shit, this thing was just just as disturbing as fuck. I just couldn't believe it. I, well, I, I'm not watching, but I am reading the quotes where it says, you know, he immediately came out of his room and got on his knees and put his hands on his head, and then yes, it's sir, uh, completely. Uh, resulting in shouts from the police to put his hands in the air. You do that again, and we're shooting you. Mr. Bucks. Shaver responds by saying, please don't shoot me. I'm trying to do what you tell me. Over and Sobbing. Over. Holy yep. shit. Is that yes. Yes. Over and this over was this. a white guy. And yeah. now, again, I'm, I'm, I'm only making the point yeah. because that... There are plenty of people don't that don't believe it's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's but I mean, imagine you know what I'm saying? Like you you are you're, and again, I'm not saying because you're a white guy, but you're like you're being compliant. You are doing everything they ask you to do and tell you to. The fear, right? Like even when I get pulled over for a traffic stop, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. It's like I realize. I am not in control of this situation, right? Like, I have to be very careful with what I do, where I put my hands, how I respond. I understand the possibility and fear of where the officer is coming from going into a situation where they do not know. It may not just be a routine traffic stop. Yeah. Who knows what I have going on? And when I'm an Uber driver, who knows how much the passengers have been drinking, who they are, how many of them are there. You know, I get nervous. So this is, yeah, I don't I don't like this one at all. This one is, is horrible. It is the worst. I wish I wouldn't have watched it. Uh, I, I got so outraged and just it's, uh, it, and it, 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 it tears at you because this, you can tell this guy is doing everything he can not to you know, not for this to go any further. And it's also very obvious right from the jump, right from the get-go, that this cop, this uh, dude that the, the charges went against, was really eager for something like this to happen. And I, I have no doubt uh, in his mind. And he, he supposedly also had something um, uh, etched on his gun that said something, I, something like, um, I, I don't remember what the phrase was, but it was um, really something that was so inflammatory that he had on his gun that basically um you know it 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 was almost intent with what he had on his gun i can't remember what the phrase was but god i just sick and sad so yeah would i be 
I, I heard this, uh, and I don't remember where it was, but somebody was describing, and I thought it was really, really um, an excellent point. And it was um, some black guys that were talking about um, the difference between when um, a white person gets pulled over and a black person gets pulled over is the idea that, God, I wish I could remember where I saw this, but um, the, the idea that um, when, and I think they're, they're right, a lot of times when a white person gets pulled over, the cops are about enforcement of the law, uh, mm-hmm. mostly. And when a black guy gets pulled over, black uh, uh, person gets pulled over, it's more about control. You know, they're, they're doing this control thing. And it's all about, you know, tr- really trying to fuck with them a lot more. You know, it's like, you know, um, you know, put your hands, you know, put your hands here and, you know, hold your hands up in the air, put your hands down, put your hands behind your back. You know, um, you know, don't reach for this, don't do that. They're, they're all about these, trying to give them all these instructions that are just, it's a just bullshit control thing that they're trying to do. That really has nothing with um, de-escalation or moving towards, um, you know, making the situation better. And, uh, you know, I know they've got a hard fucking job, cops do, but God damn, when you watch this, this, this sets the world back a long ways. Uh, and it, to me, it, it was that, that uh, I'd heard that a week ago, that description, and it, it, I thought, you know, God, that's probably true. And then I watched this video and I was like, this is exactly what that cop was doing. It was just all about this stupid fucking control thing. You know, get out on the hallway, lay down flat, do a push, you know, push yourself up, um, interlace your fingers above your head. Now put your hands out straight. Now, now lay down, now crawl to me. And he was doing this crawl to me thing and the kid's shorts were falling off. I think is why he kind of reached down. It just kind of made him motion like he was reaching down and then boom, 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 they just fucking killed him. It was just, it was stupid. Mm. It was like. Yeah, uh, so the etching apparently uh, was not admissible. Uh, what did court. it say? And so, uh, a Mesa Police Department internal report found that the words "you're fucked" were inscribed on the dust cover of the AR-15 patrol rifle that uh, Philip Mitch Brailsford used to shoot 26-year-old Daniel Shaver. Oh now, uh, it said it wasn't admissible in court. The judge, yeah. Yeah, what matters in this case is those eight to nine minutes where the actions of the defendant reasonable under the circumstances. Yes, this went, this went on forever. It was like this long, drawn-out, protracted thing. And the, they were probably, uh, from where the the guy exited his room in the hallway and where the cops were, they were probably, I'm guessing, like 20 feet apart down this hallway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did go on. It went on for eight, nine minutes. It was like this ridiculous, you know, do this, do that, do the other thing, you know. And he's yelling, shut. He's screaming at these people and, and swearing at them. And uh, just uh, the worst thing I've ever seen. It was, it was horrible. And uh, black, white, fucking, you know, just, oh God. Yeah, I, it makes me feel bad for the family, obviously. It makes me feel bad for uh, really a, a, a other cops, too, that do a good job. If there's some fucking cunt like this running around on the street and um, anybody that's backing him, um, you know, fuck them. Uh, you know, I, I know there's we we obviously need police and we need uh, the guys, the good guys. But this this person was not one of them, and he's he's not uh, coming out of an environment that um, that is a good environment. Obviously, if if they let people like that exist, if that's their training, um, fuck that. There's there's got to be there's got to be another way. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, this one's a. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, even the you're fucked thing, it's sort of. Uh, it's like I almost. Like, I. 
I, I don't know. I can never put myself in the shoes of uh, a police officer. No, or, I wouldn't want to uh, either. I would, I would. And at the same time, I can almost see it if you're a Marine. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I can almost see it because you're trained to be a killer. Right. Right. My was understanding guy, was he a marine? This guy or is he? No, I don't know what his background is. I'm just saying it's one of those things where it's like you're fucked, right? Right. It's like this is a tool of your trade, and your trade is you have a you have a, a you know a piece of equipment that could easily kill someone. I understand why, right? But it's that's a, that's a very slippery slope thing right like at what point do we say is this the right person like is that is that a joke are you serious when shit goes down when when is that appropriate right like i i've i've had friends that are cops and i've i've known some that new york city cops that were fortunate never to have shot their gun or had to shoot their gun right and and they're they're happier for it you know like it's you some guys will just do their 20 years and retire and move on and hopefully retire in their early 40s and do something else um yeah, yeah. and uh y- you know i i i took uh, 21 years ago while i was working as a production assistant on a movie i took the test to become a new york city police officer Did my you dad really? was a new york city yeah, yeah he was a new york my dad was a new york city firefighter yeah and I don't know. He, he's like, you should take the test. You should take the test. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, and I don't know why, but I the t- I saw that the test was coming up. I was like, oh, whatever. I'll take the test. I got called very quickly. A lot of guys were retiring at the time. And uh, I didn't go and get the physical. I, I don't think that I got the psych test. But from what I had heard, that just about anyone could pass the psych test. You'd have to be, you'd have to really be fucking next level mental not to pass the psych test. And even guys that were a little bit off could talk to someone and be like, "Yeah, just say this, just say that, you're good." Now I don't know, I never got that far. Right. And uh, I, I, for me personally, at that time, I was 25 years old. It scared the fuck out of me. The idea of becoming a police officer for up to a minimum 20 years. Right. Before I could retire. It was scary because a lot of people don't like police officers. You do not necessarily control where you're, you know, like where they put you. Right. Who your partner is. The idea of, like, you are going to be put into a situation with someone. Your life is in their hands and their li- and their life is in your hands. And there are way too many variables for, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, the, those moments where someone does something stupid, whether it's the quote-unquote bad guy, the person you think is the bad guy, your partner, you, and what happens. And, and again, it, for me, I'm just saying I don't know that I, I'm the guy for this. I, I, don't, I don't know that I feel good about this, even if I'm trained it's it's was a scary prospect and i just backed out quickly i'm like i i don't you know interesting thing to me now is that i if i had done this i would have been able to retire yeah the 20 years this year or last year yeah going in 20 years doesn't it seems like it would be a long time coming out on the other end like said somebody 47 obviously that's pretty fucking young to be to be done uh yeah i mean i it my whole life would be different 
You know, even if I didn't, even if I took the job, even if I got through it all, took the job, and didn't stay a New York City police officer, my path would, I, highly unlikely, I would have met my ex-wife. Highly unlikely, I would have, you know, gotten married, had kids, and moved to New Jersey, right? You're like, as a New York City police officer, you have to live in one of the five boroughs or uh, Westchester. There's a few towns you can live in. Right. Yonkers, maybe Long Island. There are some rules to it. It'd be a different movie, a different Uh, script, a different script. It would very much so. Speaking uh, of movies, I saw uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were talking about that. Yeah, it's a really excellent film. It's... uh, it seems Coen Brothers-esque, but... That's what I've read, yeah. Yeah, but not, but it's not. I think it's because, you know, you've got um, the actors that are at me with uh, Woody Harrelson and, uh, oh, let's see, uh, Francis McDormand, uh, chick mm-hmm. from Fargo. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, the little guy. Um. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Oh, and, uh, uh, Peter and, Dinklage. Yeah, Peter Dinklage, yeah. No, wait. So Sam Rockwell, Francis, Mc, Francis McDormand, she's right. married to one of the Coen brothers. She's been in uh, uh, a couple of the movies. Uh, Fargo. Right. Uh, most notably Fargo. Yeah. What about Sam Rockwell, I believe, was in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, right? Uh, or am I making that up? I'm not sure. I think he was. Um, I, yeah, he could have been. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Everyone has Google, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then uh, was Woody Harrelson in a movie? Yeah, Woody Harrelson, yeah, yeah. But was he in one of the Coen Brothers movies? I'm just thinking. Oh, was he in a Coen Brothers movie? I'm um, not sure. It seems like he would have been. It could have been, yeah, seems like. But and So Martin McDonough, the Irish uh, screenwriter, director, and he's also a playwright, uh, I've seen one of his plays, fantastic, so dark, so dark. Yeah, this, so is, this is a dark, you know, it's got its comedic moments um, you know you feel a little guilty laughing uh, sometimes but uh, very well done uh, there's only one one well, there's one character in it that I thought was was odd um, uh, Woody Harrelson and his character's wife I don't know why they cast the person that they did she didn't seem to be uh, a great actress I don't know who she was um, it just seemed out of context that she was in it but everybody else was fantastic so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I was I thought it was well worth going to, but uh, yeah, dark themes. Did you see it? Did you see it with anyone else? Uh, my wife, my wife and I. We we were talking about um, <laughs> something came up. We we have a uh, a common after the movie. We we're talking about this. We have a uh, common uh, friend, is somebody we we both know that um, has. Um, uh, this is this was really dark, and the movie made us both of us think about this. She has this, uh, and it's a woman. She has this uh, agreement that uh, she, uh, with apparently a couple friends of hers, that uh, goes like this: if one of them, well, okay, I should roll it back a little bit. Um, she and apparently some of these other people have. Um, people in their lives that, that have been in their lives that they feel very strongly about in such a negative way that um, if they could get away with it they would probably have them offed hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing about this after talking about that other story which I know is a contradiction in terms but there you go it's like what we were talking about earlier um, 
I'm going to contradict myself. So anyway, uh, so all right. So they've got this this uh, pool, this this thing going on where if one of them, uh, and they've agreed to this, these various people. I think there's three of them that have agreed that if they get a terminal illness, like if they just well, we'll go to the doctor. You've got pancreatic cancer. You're going to make it four months. Um, they will go assassinate the people <laughs> that mm-hmm. deserve to die. And I was like. Wow, I was thinking after the movie, I was thinking about this, and not that that's the really the plot of the movie or anything like that, but um, I was thinking that would be a plot for a movie. The uh, the the people who have the pool to kill the other persons, the, the people on the list. I don't know what you would call it. What, what the mm-hmm. movie would be, the list or something like that. I don't really have anybody that I need to get killed. I can't really think of that person that I would even enjoy seeing that happen. I, I, uh, but. Apparently, there's people in the world that feel strongly about others enough that <laughs> they would they would go be the the hitman. Yeah, I can't think of one scenario, one person right now. I'm sure. I'm sure I've come across. I'm, I'm sure there were times in my life where I felt that way, but yeah. never, never so much so that I'd be the one that wanted to do it or even passively hire someone else to do it or talk to someone about it, right? Like, even the idea of it. Condone it, yeah. I can't, uh, yeah. How about a fl- flaming bag of shit on their steps? Would you go that far? No, you know what? Here, So here's one for you. I, 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 it's, that's um, someone I know. He was a former neighbor. He recently posted on Facebook, okay, and tell me what you think of this scenario. Uh, let me just find it real quick. Uh, I'm pretty sure that his um, one of his credit cards or debit card was hacked, okay? Mm-hmm. And and uh, the card was used, I believe. So this is a guy that lives in New Jersey. Here, what would you do? Someone in California used my debit card to make a fraudulent purchase. I canceled the card and will get the uh, funds replaced. But the place where he purchased the items gave me the name and address of the person who placed the order. Hmm. Options? <laughs> and a bunch of people. So I don't know how many comments he got. And I was going to weigh in on this, but it's just like, he's, you know, someone's like, you can go to the police with it. And then someone cut your damn hands off. And crying emoji, crying laughing emoji, totally kidding, of course. Road trip, uh, file, police report, and then to go on and on. And then someone said something that was about as pretty close to what. <laughs> here's one. Someone sent a link, dicks by mail, and it looks like little gummy bears that are shaped like dicks. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know that. I'm going to plug them. Dicksbymail.com. Wow. That's another word. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. There's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, it's still candy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's still like, you're sending someone a sweet treat. All right. Yeah. They look like little tiny dicks. Little dicks. <laughs> people might like um, that. Yeah. yeah. Turn it over to police. Mail lots of things. But there was one, someone wrote something that I thought was, as I felt was about right, you know, uh, you know, that it could be misinformation. Right. Um, you know, that, that don't. Don't find this person. Don't reach out to them. You know, the point is it's not worth it. It's not worth it, yeah. yeah. You know, it's 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 a very slippery... And I'm shocked that a business or a company would, would share that information. It's a bad idea. Yeah, I would think that's... It's really, really a bad idea. When you, unethical and illegal, probably. When you yeah. call a credit card company, or when you... Like, especially American Express. Like, they handle fraud. They know how much fraud they expect each year, and they write it off, and they, you know... 
They'll take the case and they look into it and they take care of it. The one thing they don't give you is the information. <laughs> the last thing you need is a bunch of vigilantes going after someone because they fucking used your debit card at like 27 Walgreens. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if if people can uh, just driving, you know, road rage, you know, they, if, they, they, if that can be that crazy just through, you know, the act of, you know, you cut me off, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> what are they going to do if you <laughs> start giving that kind of information out? That's crazy. I saw in Detroit yesterday there were people were getting shot on the freeway. Somebody was just driving around shooting at people uh, you know, in traffic when they got pissed off and put a bullet through this guy's big size. looked like, I don't know, huge. I don't know anything about what bullets are, but it was a good size hole, about bigger around as a quarter that went right through the guy's driver's side door and shot him and killed him just because he pissed somebody hmm. off in traffic. The, usually you think, you're in traffic, you know, I, I don't try to, you know, I don't try to cut people off or, you know, be a poor driver or anything like that, but generally I would say I feel safe, uh, and I know I'm in Iowa, that's different than Detroit, but um, I even in, even in a bigger city, I would feel safe driving around for the most part, um, realizing that, um, in all likelihood, you're not getting a shot while you're driving. You wouldn't think, you know, you might have people, you know, shaking their fist and honking at you and whatever, but, you know, Generally, they're not going to follow you or do anything like that for the most part. And if you, you know, I don't know, just getting shot, I did, that wouldn't occur to me. But right, I guess right. it's a new world. We're armed. So, uh, w- one, of the, uh, one of the comments that someone wrote to this guy whose debit card was hacked, you know, like fraudulently charged to another, you know, someone charged, and he supposedly had their information. Someone's like, call them and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if you've heard of this podcast. I haven't listened yet, but I listened to an interview with this guy. Uh, it's called Conversations with People Who Hate Me. So it's this guy. Uh, I heard it on uh, NPR. Uh, multiple times each day, Dylan Marin opens his phone and reads a hate message. Uh, so this is a, I believe he's a, he's a homosexual man, don't know where he lives, but he's very liberal, supports Black Lives Matter, talks about a sexual orientation, and he's got some serious hater trolls. And more often than not, he reaches out to them. And I think he's actually been trolled and hated on by someone else who was gay and, um, you know, set less lefty liberal than he was right like it's like a lot of and it really is quite fascinating right to to take that approach with someone i think it's disarming to the person that put that thing on social media or attacked you yeah you know uh really good idea though i mean really brilliant like uh i don't know if it's any good i i I only listened to i think i listened to the interview and like the promotion of the show but haven't actually tried to listen yeah that's, it would be weird to be big enough uh and important enough on uh twitter you know be a you know have your verification or whatever i think is generally what gets you the uh status where people decide uh, that they you know just randomly want to troll you for whatever reason oh, he's, he's verified i can you know <laughs> call him a cuck or whatever you know it's like at that point where you know it's like it would be strange to be at that stratosphere where um and i don't i don't get why some of these people just all day long all they do is go back and forth with people it's like it's you know it's their their life is they just get so sucked up into that that all they want to do is fight with anonymous people <laughs> about really what are non-issues for the most part it's things that we're going to forget right. forget about you know a year or two from now oh you remember that I, whatever no i don't you know? well i don't i i know that you control um our Twitter account and you're doing the uh, just about everything uh, you know 
other we, than talking also, to the microphone. We have a Facebook and, page now too. So oh, we do. Yeah, <laughs> that. That's great. It's got one 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 <laughs> post on it. I think. Um, you know, I still haven't. I, I'm at a point where I, clearly my son Cameron doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> I, I was going to tell him while he was on the show, "Hey, Cameron, uh, I think not in last week's episode, but in episode 14, I uh, told Colin what you were getting from for Christmas." I, I bet he listens <laughs> to this one. No, yeah, he will. Uh, uh-uh. uh, I, I guarantee. I can guarantee that even after telling him the name of the podcast he's gonna be like whatever he will not ask me Fuck you, and he will not listen <laughs> right so and I, I part of the reason i think i wanted to have him on was because uh, uh that's probably the most i've talked to him in probably three months <laughs> you guys actually do i think talk you know pretty well we we do we we do sometimes it, you know when it comes to when it comes to like real parenting like yeah. when when shit goes down and it's like well fuck like the my one, ex-wife one tells me something i find something out then i'll have a conversation and that's probably the most patient like when i'm okay but if it's like everyday shit like getting like when he stay when he's over with me a third of the time and yeah. he's got to get up early and get to school it's like cameron wake up cameron i turn the light on cameron what the fuck what's taking so long like little things like st- cameron like i don't want to tell him what to do but it'd be like cameron could it please you, we're gonna miss the bus and then that's gonna cost me like 40 minutes and i'm gonna get your sister to school late because right. his school is like not that close yeah and but at when that, it came at to that age they, they don't all that doesn't compute the you know it's the, the 40 minutes the i'm gonna have to give you a ride and then i'm gonna have to come back and then i'm gonna have to go back and get you you know an hour later all that none of that computes with them at that age well you know like i was gonna actually call him out, out when i was talking to him he said something and i have noticed that this a lot a lot of people say this um, I may even be guilty of saying it. I'm like, uh, it's like, I forgot what the question was, but it's like a question where um, they'll say, yeah, no, or no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you ask the question, it's kind of like this, like, you know, verbal comma. Exactly. Yeah. And it happens all the time. And it's like, it drives me nuts. And I, I may be guilty of it, but I'm noticing it more and more. And he did it on, like when, when he was on the phone. You, I don't know if you were, I think you would ask him a question. And he said, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Just answer the question. It's one or the other. It's not both. You can't, you just contradicted, you motherfucker. <laughs> <sighs> we get the, um, I, I've noticed from, from, the, from the girls, uh, when you do the, uh, uh, you know, you're talking about the, you know, what's taking so long, or what, you know, you, you know, you got a movie, you got to do this or whatever. I'll be like, come on, you know, you guys, we, we got to go. It's time to go. You got to go now. You know, it's like, and then they'll go, I know, and then they'll say, I'm in the bathroom curling my hair, <laughs> and they, they they just start telling you the, they start listing basically the reasons why they're not there, which doesn't make anything better. I don't give a shit why you're not here right now. <laughs> you're just not here right, right now. Right. So why tell me why you're not here right now? Because that doesn't make it better. It just explains why you're not here. Oh, my you God. Know? And it's like, you know, you're like, oh. And then you try not to go ballistic. But <laughs> my, dad, my dad used to, when we were going, like let's say we were going uh, an hour and a half away to a family like gathering, right? Or even 30 minutes away. He would literally get in the car 10 minutes before you needed to get in the car to get to where you were going. Right. And my mom would still be in the bathroom getting ready, doing the thing. And he was literally just sitting in the car waiting and then getting, like, just fuming, like, just ready. <laughs> like, and at the same time, when she called him for dinner, 
He wouldn't come right away. He was in the workshop, and they, they had an intercom, like an old school, realistic, like Radio Shack I intercom, those. I remember right? Those, yeah. Like it's like it was like a a silver button that you yeah. know was sensitive to your finger, and you yeah. could you know call them. It's like a seventies house or a sixties. Yeah, very. Yeah, it was. It, it's actually I got to check it out and see if my dad still has it because if he does, I want to play with it. Yeah. I want to play with it and actually record from one side to the other, and it's kind of funny. I had some friends that uh, their uh, parents had that, and it was like a whole house system when the house was built. It must have been built, I guess, in the 70s, 60s, maybe mm-hmm. 70s. Uh, anyway, uh, so there was a cassette thing that was built into the, the main unit of it, and so right. you could put a cassette in this thing and turn it on, and you could listen to the cassette all over the house. So there was one in the kitchen and the you know, various bedrooms and stuff like that. But not the bedroom didn't have its own cassette. You had to put the cassette in, in the – it was like in this living room area. And uh, we had – uh, they had a party. This was after high school, and there was uh, there wasn't a bunch of people there, that, but there was like maybe six or seven of us that were there, and we ate acid. And uh, <laughs> somebody put in the fucking soundtrack for the Music Man. The <laughs> that's and, so good. Okay, and we just sat there, and this, and it was I had that auto repeat thing where it plays and then and then goes back and starts all over again. We listened to the fucking soundtrack for the Music Man for like fucking 48 hours. Nobody changed it. It just stayed on and played over and over and over and over and over. And then finally, like, <laughs> this started on like Friday night, like, you know, Sunday morning. Somebody's like, is that still on? Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, why are we still listening to this? It was, oh, it's fucking bizarre. But yeah. Uh, what, it, what, what is the music, man? Well, it's a play. It's uh, it's actually about it's a musical. It's a musical. Yeah, it's a it's a musical play, and it's about. Um, uh, I, I should know more about it because um, it is uh, based on uh, something Iowa? that happened in Iowa, Iowa City that Cameron was talking about earlier. River City that starts with the really yeah, yeah River City is is basically Iowa City. Was he like? Was the Music Man like? Um, no, I'm thinking of Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah. Um, I should. Uh, all right, hold on. I'm, yeah, I'm putting it on Spotify. All right. Hold on. So, wait. So, this is 48 hours. Yes. I'm flashing back. <laughs> yes. Meredith Wilson. Wow. Yeah, wow. we, we listened I, to that I, for like that was maybe thirty six hours, but yeah, we listened to it for yeah, starring a long time. Robert Preston. Yeah, uh, book, music, and lyrics by Meredith Wilson, and this that song was called. Uh, it sounded terrible, I'm sure, coming yeah. from my phone. Yeah. Iowa stubborn. I, yeah, Harold Hill. Yeah, was the character in the music band. Never. I don't think completely sober. I can listen to that Wells Fargo trombone. wagon. Yeah. It's the, you. The main song was '76 Trombones. '76 Trombones in the big parade. And I don't see that here. Yeah, isn't it? I think. I'm pretty sure, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe that's in there, but I don't think that. Overture, Rock Island, I was stubborn. You got trouble. I don't know. Piano lesson. Music. '76 yeah. Trombones. There you go. Yeah, they didn't yeah. have the number. It spelled yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard this. Please, folks. May I have your attention, please? Attention, please. Yes. Oh man, I am flashing back now. I don't. <laughs> do you think that you? Do you think you would feel like you're on an acid trip if you listen to that song? Uh, well, I can only hope. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never done psychedelics ever. Any any sort of a psychedelic? Nope. None of them. No. Nope. Nothing. No peyote. Not 
Not Mushrooms? at all. Nothing. Acid? Nope. Mescaline? Nope. Nothing. Mescaline was DMT? big. No. no. What is DMT? Dimethyl to trip no. something, whatever. No. DMT is the spirit, spirit chemical, spirit drug, whatever. No. Um, DMT is... Um, is uh, and I've never done it, um, and I don't think I, I would now. Um, I wish uh, earlier in my life I, I, I probably would have done it. But um, DMT is the strongest of all hallucinogens. It's the uh, you it, it's, you smoke it. Um, ayahuasca. You've heard of ayahuasca? That's oh, yeah, yeah, I have. That's, yes, that's yes. DM, DMT thing. And uh, apparently, when you uh, ingest it, when you smoke it, you take like uh, three hits, according to what I've heard, and then um, you are completely uh, off in uh, the ether for um it, in 15 minutes it's completely over um but your life has changed uh, hmm. and uh, it's pretty pretty dramatic from what i've uh, from what i've heard so i don't know I, mean, I haven't done it but um the other one's uh uh peyote i've got a great peyote story sometime <laughs> Uh, I could tell, but uh, yeah, peyote, uh, various forms of uh, acid, um, which is stronger sometimes than others. Um, mushrooms. Uh, what else did we talk about? Um, yeah, a few of those. You've never done any of those? Not a one. Hmm. All right. No, I could quickly cover my uh, drug use. You should probably, uh, I should probably dose you. I should probably... Get you. <laughs> I don't. I think that's a bad idea. I had a stroke. I don't, I'm, I'm very concerned. See, no, that, that, yeah, that's yeah, with yeah. I don't think it yeah, would be a great idea. If, uh, after, I, after I'm not sure that I'm the best candidate. I will. You know what? Maybe I'll talk to my uh, primary care physician about it. Mushrooms might be okay. I think uh, they're probably uh, uh, a little more benign than uh, than the rest. Uh, Colin, I, I, I mean, I don't want to. Maybe I do want to be this guy. Like, I feel like I'm fine. Just completely sober like without doing anything like my mind goes to places and weird fucked up places without doing anything yeah well that's you fine know. nothing wrong with that I, i've you know uh, like i said i've experimented i've been on a big uh, sober kick here lately but I, yeah i i was um you asked cameron about his band his marching band dinner thing yeah so cameron uh, the football season is over no more marching band for the rest of the year or the rest of the school year, even. Right. It may, there might be a one-off thing in the spring or the fall, but I doubt. I mean, the spring or the summer, but I doubt it. And so there was a, you know, and I was the volunteer um, photographer this year. I took almost four thousand photographs. I went to like every single band, every football game, every band um, competition. Took a lot of photographs, and uh, sometimes it's night. The light's not great. You don't have great camera positions because they're in the stands, or when they're on the football field, I can't be on the field. I can be on the sideline, so you're limited. You don't see the drum line because they're in the back, you know. It's just like, and they're moving a lot, and you've got the color guard with their giant flags. There's a lot, you know. So it's hard to get great shots. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of just like running and gunning and shooting too much and trying to get the best possible moment shot, whatever, and. So tonight, someone, not only did they ask me to put together a slideshow for the band finale dinner, they also asked me to um, take more photos tonight. They were going to set up a backdrop, wow. like a little luau theme. Yeah. And they said they had a backdrop. Now, the thing was 30 feet long, and it was maybe three, two and a half, three foot tall. It's not a backdrop. 
No. That's I don't know what the fuck this piece of shit plastic tarp, thing was. Little tarp. I was like, look, it's like so there's, I'm in a cafeteria and there's stuff in the background. I'm like, oh my god, it's just like this is not like I need you. So you know we can get lots of people in the photograph. Yeah, but what photo takes long and, and what is the norm anyway? So I, I'm that guy, right? Like it's like if I'm gonna do this, like it's I don't mind taking the photos. Now I gotta take them off the camera, put them on a computer, choose the right ones. It's a whole fucking thing. So anyway, so in addition to having to set up the camera. I put together this half-assed slideshow. I said, I'm just going to play it in the background. It's going to loop because it's not a good slideshow that you can sit down and watch. You know, like I didn't have make the time to edit it the way I would have wanted to. So I forgot my fucking hard drive that had the video slideshow. I left it at home. Okay. Uploaded the Dropbox, but there's no way a public school I'm going to be able to get on their guest Wi-Fi and download a two-gigabyte file. You know, so whatever. So I run out to the high school parking lot get in my car and I head out of the parking lot and it says do not enter it's one way only so then I fucking gunned it schools closed no school activities and I did like this kind of crazy like U-turn fishtail through the fucking parking lot and I'm laughing my fucking ass off <laughs> just like like and I realized like I am the biggest fucking, like, I was like, like, I could just see, like, a st- custodian or someone, a cop or security guard there go, like, going, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, nobody's around. But it was just one of these moments where I'm just, like, I'm, like, exhausted. I'm, like, why do I do this? And then, and I just started laughing. Like, I felt like I was in high school or college for some weird reason. I'm, like, and I lost all perspective and felt kind of at peace, you know? <laughs> And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Let's let Mr. Big Voice take us out. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Unbecoming of Age. Bonus content at unbecomingofage.com. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Find us on social media at Unbecoming of Age. And sometimes when we talk.